0: Well, listen, have a seat where you are today. If you're at home, I'm glad you're joining us in your car, listening on your way to work. However you're here joining us today, we're glad that you're here. Well, listen, I am I'm excited to teach today. We're getting back into our series in Acts Looking today in Acts chapters 12 through 14 is where we will be. And uh, Megan and I were talking this week about these particular chapters. And she said, you know, I was reading through those chapters that you're teaching on. And there's a whole section about Herod getting eaten by worms. And I don't really have a worship song that goes with that. (laughs) And I said, that's cool. I don't actually think I'm going to hang out there on that passage for too long of an amount of time. But, you know, sometimes you read things in the Bible and you're like, wow, that's something. That's something, right? And as I was reading through these chapters this week, I found myself being like, what, what, are, what are you trying to say to us, you know, God? What are you trying to speak to us here? What are we supposed to see here? And I felt very clearly in my spirit that God said, I wish people would quit looking for things in my word other than me. Because really everything in the word is to point you to me. And if we're looking for so many other things all the time, you'll find things. But really, just look for me. Where do you see me in this word? Where do you find me in the moments? I started to think about, um, I was looking through Instagram because it's fall break. I mean, like, my screen time this week, I got my little numbers this week. I was like, well, you could tell I had some downtime because my screen time is up higher than I should discuss with people. And so me, I spent a lot of time on Instagram, and I started looking at, you know, all of the filters that you can put, right? And I thought, listen, some of y'all could go missing, and if the only pictures we have to go off of are your Instagram and Facebook pictures, we will not find you because you do not have cat ears. And I have wrinkles, but there are filters that make them look far less than they are. But if I go missing, y'all will be out looking for like a 19-year-old looking version of me, and I'll walk right past you, right? Because that filter can take out my gray hair. It can smooth me out. It can give me a youthful glow and rosy cheeks that I just don't have walking around in real life, right? We put lots of filters on things to make sure that we kind of create an image that people want to see. And when you're looking through social media, you start to see that there are all these moments that are kind of stacked on stacked on stack, right? You're scrolling through and it's pumpkin patches and it's happy moments and we're seeing all these good things and we look at all these stacked good moments, right? And then we flip over and look at the news page and it's the opposite of that and it's negative, negative, nev- negative, all stacked on top of each other. And too much good stacked up in our face can be overwhelming, especially if we feel like there's not a whole lot of good going on in our life. It can be overwhelming to see nothing but constant positive, looking at everyone else's successes and everyone else's glowing moments. It can be overwhelming when you're walking through a hard time. And when you're looking at nothing but the negative, it can get very overwhelming when it seems like that Every corner and every minute, something horrible is happening. And that stack of negative inputs constantly coming to us can be overwhelming, right? Because it just stacks up and stacks up. Until we're overwhelmed and it looks like life is just a scale of good and bad moments and which one will end up weighing out in the end. But it's kind of like that when I said when I was reading through these chapters and I was like, you know, God, what are you trying to show us? Where can we see ourselves in this scripture? And God said so clearly, stop looking for anything other than me in my word. We're going to look through these scriptures today and there's going to be some moments you will connect with them and you will relate to them. This message I've titled today, Hardships and High Points. And I don't know about you, but if I stack up my moments, I've got a pretty nice stack of hardships. And if I stack up these moments, I've got a pretty high stack of high points. There's a pretty big stack of both. And I can clearly see myself in all of those moments. But today I want to take a step back and peel back the layers a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is when we allow ourselves to step back, we can see God running through his hand, his presence in every single moment. These three short little chapters in Acts, it's a lot of high points, it's a lot of low points, all in just a short amount of time. In fact, the last verse in Acts chapter 14, this is what it says. Acts chapter 14, 27 through 28. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Boy, if that's not a perfect tweet to end the vacation, right? This here at this moment, this is Paul and Barnabas showing up. And if you look at this last verse, you think they're basically showing you a slideshow, right, of all of the good things. How God has been good to us. How he has opened the door of faith. Look at all that God has done through us. Oh, look at that good moment. And that man, that is such a high point, right? Look what God has done. But to understand that high point, you have to peel back the layers and see that the only way they got to the moment of realizing all that God had done was that there was a connection of God's presence and His goodness and His love and His faithfulness in every single moment that got them there the good, the bad, the ugly. The in-between. It was all of it. So listen, I don't know. Today, your, your Instagram feed may be a happy, good moment. And I'm excited for you. I sat on my front porch this morning. It was wonderful. It was pretty. And I don't know. This morning, your moment that you're in, the, the X marks the spot of the day for you. It may be a little bit more difficult than that. And there may not be a lot of prettiness in it. It may not be good and happy, but today, no matter where we are, instead of just seeing ourselves in the midst of a hardship or in the midst of a good moment, let's take a step back and see the hand of God in our whole journey, because him, he, God, through it all, that's the story. That's the goodness of God. So let's jump jump into Acts today. I got a lot of scripture for you. We're going to talk about a lot of layers. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to see yourself in these moments. I want you to connect with the experiences of the disciples and of Paul and Barnabas. I want you to connect with them and say, I know what that feels like. I've been there. I want you to connect with that. And then I want you to see God in the midst of it. Because if we can look at what they went through and we can see God in the midst of what they were going through, then maybe we can step back and see God in the midst of where we are. And the more we can see God in every little thing, the better off we are. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers, each, each, Herod intended to bring him out to public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Well, we started with the bang. Right off the bat, James has been put to death. I pointed at you unintentionally. Not this James. Let's not see that moment. Let's not make that connection. (laughs) But James had been put to death. And the believers had some choices to make right run and hide but instead they gathered together and they began to pray because the death of James so pleased the Jews that Herod went out and seized Peter but see Peter had a a, you know a knack for escaping from prison so he put four sets of four guards on him guarding him handcuffed him to two people you're not getting out Stuck him in prison, it was a holiday weekend, so he couldn't get dealt with, so he stuck there through a long time through the end of the festival. Peter was stuck in prison, and it said "The people of God gathered together and they prayed earnestly for them. I don't know about you, but I know we've all experienced grief, death and loss. I know we've all gathered together to pray for those who were bound up and lost. Where was God? He was right. There in the midst of it, because see, his word says that he is near to the brokenhearted. God is near to the brokenhearted. And the people prayed to God earnestly in the midst of their grief and sorrow. And then in Acts 12, 7, seven suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on his side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. You know what I love about that verse? I love where it says that Peter was struck on the side by the angel. Like, you're the angel of the Lord. You're going to make my chains fall off, and the prison doors open without a touch to them, but yet you're going to strike me on the side to wake me up? You couldn't gradually wake me up, shake me, and be like, Peter, Peter, let's get out of here, friend. No, it says he struck him. Get up. Right? Right? Sometimes miracles are uncomfortable. <laughs> sometimes our deliverance, we have to get a little knock first, right? We can see ourselves in that moment. Boy, God has set me free from some things, some things that I was bound on both sides to. And sometimes He had to knock me around to get me to wake up and realize that I was free. God, in the midst of Of the jail. He sends freedom to us where we are. Acts chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. Peter then goes and he's knocking and knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand to tell them to be quiet. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. They were astonished. But just 3 verses ago this is what they were praying for. Anybody else just blown away when God answers your prayers? How did that happen? I don't know. Maybe we prayed about it. I I mean, really? And listen, here's the thing that we have to see. And why I love the fact that in a mere 17 verses, we've already run the gamut of emotions and moments. We have gone from the death of a beloved brother to prison chains to spectacular, miraculous, supernatural freedom and astonishment at the miracles that God has done. Is that not life? Oh, Is not life a delicate balance of holding the sorrow and the joy all in one hand at one time? Is not life not the beauty and the mystery of how in one moment we can grieve and wail in sorrow and loss and in the next minute rejoice at the beauty and passion and glory that is this experience we call life? Oh, can we not see God In that, because if death was final, it would be hard to see even the joy in new life. But God, in the midst of everything, weaves his story through. And he is there. And he makes it beautiful. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. I want to pause right there. This was a fellowship of brothers from all different places and all different backgrounds. They were not all raised in the same upbringing. They were not all ministering to the same group of people, but they were gathered together. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Man, let me tell you, that scripture that says where two or more are gathered there in his name, there he is in the midst of them, unity. When we see moments of God bringing together things that should not be together, he is in the midst of it. In that moment, after hardship, persecution, and loss, these men of God stood together. They fasted, they prayed, and they worshiped, and they sought God for what he would have them do next. And he sent them out on the way. You know, I love that about church life. I love it and I hate it at the same time, right? That we raise up people and then sometimes those people go and set off on journeys on their own. But when we are unified together and God is in the midst of us, we see his will laid out and played out like in impossible ways we could not even imagine. If you want to know what God has for your life, find yourself planted in the unity of the fellowship of the believers because we're two or more are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of him. Find his will in the midst of his people, in the midst of that fellowship. We're going fast, Acts 13, 9 through 10. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimaeus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? We just took a detour. How did we go? From sending out to looking someone in the eyes and telling them that they are of the devil. Well, here's how. Their first stop on their journey, they were met by a sorcerer named Elimaeus. Who came against them. Who was fighting against the work of God. And Paul, who had been called Saul, was stirred by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that commissioned and sent him rose up within him and he pushed back on the darkness. And he told the enemy right where he could go. Because the same Holy Spirit that guides you is the same Holy Spirit that empowers you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. The same God who creates a purpose for you will empower you to overcome every trick of the enemy that comes in the way of you doing what he's called you to do. If God has sent you on a path, do not be discouraged when something comes in your face and in your way that tries to throw you off. If you are moving in the direction God has for you, in the way that he has sent you and called you to be, then know that the same Holy Spirit that guided you and sent you will equip you to overcome the enemy that is coming at you. Because God can do it all. And so he goes from a moment of commissioning and prayer of feeling confident in the journey that God has called them to do, to being immediately faced by a sorcerer, an evil spirit that is seeking to destroy them. Just like that. And he has to call upon the same Holy Spirit that commissioned him and sent him to now give him the strength to stand up to the enemy. Just because God sends you doesn't mean you're not going to face battles. Just because you're walking in the way that God has you to go doesn't mean you're not going to come up against hard things. The choice that you have is how you will confront the hard thing that has come your way. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. We overcome by the word of the Lord, the double edged sword that equips us to fight everything that comes against us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers in heavenly places. Let me tell you something. The same God who looked at you and said, I who began a good work and you will see it through to completion, has equipped you to actually see it through to completion. You cannot cower. Under the hand and pressure of the enemy. Your journey is too important. God is too present. Rise up with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. God is with you. And here is why God is with you. Because now I'm going to pause and let Paul preach. It all came to this moment, really. Paul and Barnabas on this journey. They faced what you know had to have been fear. To know what had happened to James being killed, Peter being locked up in prison. The journey in front of them was not going to be easy. I think they knew that. But there was a reason that they were moving forward with Jesus. There was a reason I'm not um, really a missionary. I've never thought that I was. The thought of going into um, a foreign country and being a missionary, that's never been something that I thought was for me. But I appreciate the people who God has called to do that. I've never thought of myself as someone who stands on street corners with the, you know, Jesus saves sign and do a street preacher. I don't feel like those are the only ways that we're called to preach the gospel. But I believe that the Bible says that we are all to go into the world and make disciples. So each and every one of us is called. And here, Saul and Barnabas have been called to go out and make disciples. And they've already faced a huge amount of opposition. But the good news of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. So here's what I want to say really quickly, and it's something that is, is really working in my heart and trying to reframe my mind. If I'm on this journey with God and I'm going through the highs and the lows and I forget that my goal and my purpose is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, then my journey is going to always seem pointless. And I will always be unsatisfied and looking for my purpose. Because my purpose will come every day on this journey. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's a whole generation of people who are saying, what is my purpose, God? What have you called me to do? And let me tell you what what the world has conditioned them. What they're really saying is, when is my moment to shine? When am I going to receive recognition? When am I going to be famous and successful? Because even in the Christian world, we've elevated preachers and evangelists and made them superstars to where it seems as though we elevate and lift up certain people to say that they have achieved something in the kingdom kingdom of God. And that that should be all of our purposes, to be elevated up. But let me tell you something. I don't know why some are made and rise to where lots of people see them. That's not my business. But we cannot chase that moment. If you're waiting for some spectacular open door of purpose to show up, with a shining light and your name in lights or some type of special recognition for what you're doing for God, it is not ever, even if that comes, going to actually meet your needs. I have grown up in church. I have watched more ministers of the gospel than I wish I had who were elevated and a light shone on them who fell and crumpled under the weight of sin and pressure. We cannot glorify some personified image, some filtered image. Your purpose is to go into the world and make disciples. Your purpose is to daily walk humbly with your God. Your purpose is to see him in every moment and show other people that he is there. Because an altar call may bring a thousand people to come and kneel before and ask Jesus to be their Savior. But it is only the faithful disciples of Jesus Christ walking through life with them that will ensure that they reach out to who God has really called them to be. I don't know if your name will be in lights. It may be for whatever reason. But a name in lights means nothing if we are not adding to the book of life. And we have to be able to see God in the midst of the moments. Because a great message can bring a thousand people to Jesus. But when their brother falls and they're broken, when life beats them up and people persecute them, When they are struck down and beaten down, it is not some preacher on a stage, some evangelist, who is going to teach them how to come out of the depths. It is going to be the people of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who look the enemy in the eye and say, by the power of the Holy Spirit inside me, you will get up and walk. Enemy, you have to flee. We are on a mission and a purpose, and we are walking with God. Look around and see God in your moments because he has called you to bring the good news. So listen today. This message, this passage of Scripture, it's a little bit of a longer passage of Scripture, but I want you to follow along with me. Because after everything that happened, after all the obstacles that they came against, here came the moment where Paul stood up And he shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 16. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power he led them out of the country. For about forty years he endured their conduct in the wilderness. Whew, that'll preach. That whole verse right there will preach. For forty years he endured their conduct. He's been in I'll be forty this year. I'm thankful that he's got at least 40 years of enduring that conduct, (laughs) right? He endured their conduct. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All of this took about 450 years. Now, I don't think I got that long left in me, so I'm going to pray that maybe my timeline will be shorter than that after this God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled for 40 years after removing Saul he made David their king God will do everything I skipped a line God testified concerning him I have found David son of Jesse a man after my own heart he will do everything I want him to do From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the word of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross, laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God has promised to our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Can we not forget the good news of Jesus Christ? There's going to be plenty of hard things you're going to walk through. And there's going to be high points and there's going to be low points. I can't count them all for you. If we put out our scales, the stacks would waver. And there would be days that the good was heavier and outweighed the bad. And then there are days and moments where the the bad outweighs the good. I understand the scales and balance of life never seem to be made equal. But the good news Of Jesus Christ has persevered through all generations to this generations. Jesus came. He fulfilled the word of the prophets. He came and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and he was risen again on the third day. And he sits now forever at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, awaiting the day which he will come and return for us. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. I need a Savior, and He is mine. I need forgiveness, and He is forgiveness. I need mercy, and He is mercy. I have grief, and He comforts me. I have sorrow, and He wraps His arms around me. I have joy, and He celebrates with me. He has placed me into a community of believers and surrounded me with people who push me forward the good news of Jesus Christ. God in every moment. Oh, if Paul and Barnabas had given up when their brother was martyred and Peter was in prison. If they had said, this is not for me. I'm not cut out for this. Where's God? I don't see him. If they had stopped In that moment, would we have had this moment of the Jews and the Gentiles gathered together hearing the good news of Jesus Christ? But you know, even the best sermons people don't like, pause for dramatic effect. Paul, you know they had to have been riding on a little bit of a high at that moment. They had preached the good news to the Jews and the Gentiles, and the church had grown. And there, in that moment, there's such excitement. Look at the good news of Jesus Christ has been preached. People are coming to follow after him. And then people got mad. Acts chapter 13, verses 50 through 51. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went on to Iconium. (laughs) I have this little thing that I tell teenagers sometimes that I'm going to give them the spoon award. It's because all you like to do is stir up stuff. Right? Right? Like if I come walking towards you with the spoon, it's because you ain't doing nothing but stirring. Mm. And here God was pouring out his spirit. Here we see the work of the Holy Spirit being done. And right there in the midst of it, it's the God-fearing people that stir up the mess and run Paul and Barnabas out of the city. And they shook their dust off their feet and kept on going. Let me tell you something. If you're walking in the will of God, he will be your peace. If you are walking in his will, he will be your peace. And some people may not walk alongside you, and that's okay. If you are staying true to who God has called you to be, shake the dust off your feet and keep moving. God is your peace. There are pot stirs, but here's our caution. It's so easy to read scripture and look at, say, well, I see myself in that. Man, there's been people who stirred up stuff about me. Yep. Um, but do you got a spoon? Because we all capable of stirring a pot. I can't cook, but sometimes Jeremy does let me stir things. You tell me, go stir that pot, right? Don't be a pot stirrer. Oh, don't just look at Scripture and say, oh, I've been persecuted. People don't like me. I'm just trying to do what God has called me to do. And then be over there stirring the pot, right? See ourselves in all parts of Scripture, right? See ourselves in all moments and then see that God still loved those God-fearing. It says they were God-fearing. They were from his chosen people. He loved them too. He loved them. Acts chapter 14 verses 4 through 7. The people of the city were divided, some with the Jews and others with the apostles. There was a plot, listen to this, there was a plot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders, to mistreat and stone them. Pause right there. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that will bring people who don't like each other together like the shared dislike for someone else. Two different sides, common enemy. But in this instance, their common enemy was the men that God had called to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. You start finding yourself unified with people of this world, you might need to ask yourself why you're finding yourself unified with them. And that's on all sides. We have one purpose and one goal, and it is one kingdom and one God and one Father who we serve, and it is Jesus Christ. But on both sides, they came against him. But it says they found out about it and they fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derb, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. We can do hard things, people. Continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with your life. Things didn't work out for you. Continue to preach the gospel with your life. Things didn't go how you had planned. Preach the gospel with your life. Somebody comes against you, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody doesn't like you, shake the dust off your feet, walk in peace, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep moving because the hand of God is in every moment and aspect of your life. Peel back the layers. Peel back the filters. Remove the way that you have thought and seen everything and look for God in the midst of your life. Because he is there. Keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he's called us to help him heal the sick. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. It said he listened to Paul as he was speaking. People are listening. People are reading. People are seeing. And when they look at your life, And they see all the things you've been through, the good, the bad. When they look at your life, do they see God so clearly that simply by looking at your life and hearing you speak that their faith is built? It said that He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed. Let me tell you something. There are people all around us every day who are looking and listening, and they have this faith inside of them that they may not even know where to place it. There is a hope inside of them that something could be better than what it is. And they're looking, and they're listening Are we speaking the story of God through our life? We're wrapping up. Acts chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. Oh, that was a good couple high points. And here we go, crashing down. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, healing someone, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he had a crowd that wanted to offer sacrifices to them. You see, when I said it came crashing down, you were thinking they were going to get persecuted again, right? You were thinking that because they healed somebody that somebody was going to come out against them and start to beat them down? No. They did something great, and instead of being persecuted, the people tried to make them gods. The people tried to sacrifice to them. The people gave them the name of worldly gods and tried to elevate them up and make them gods in their own right. Because sometimes what will tear us down quicker is not that somebody comes out to persecute us, but it's that somebody comes to puff us up. Somebody comes to puff us up. We got enough puffed up people. We got enough people reveling in all of the amazingness of their lives. We got enough people with fancy things. Do not let man elevate you past where God's character in you is ready to take you. Do not let. The praises of man distract you. Because right here in this moment, they came out and they were ready to sacrifice and worship Paul and Barnabas because of what they had done. They were ready to say, look at what you have done. They called Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. See, Hermes was a god who was the speaker for Zeus. And so they looked at him and they said, you speak well, you must be a God. Hear me. They saw that he spoke well. It wasn't even about the healing. He spoke well. He must be a God. Speaking well is a gift just like any other gift and it can be learned by anyone speaking well even of the things of God does not make you a God or elevate you above him be cautious that we don't find ourselves at the feet of people who speak well But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are two only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Oh, you've got to see that even in your high points, it was God that did it turn it back around to God. And then right after that in Acts 14, chapters 19 through 20, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city. They just thought he was a god. And now they've stoned him and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. God is the resurrection and the life. Today I ask that you would just take a moment and instead of stacking up your goods and your bads, your high points and your hardships, can we spread them out? Can we spread out those pictures? Can we look and see God? God, There was a a Facebook memory that popped up a couple of weeks ago from out here in the church lobby. From our very first year here. (laughs) There was my now big ones being little running around. And then faintly in the background, there was the voice of Miss Betty and her walking across. I recorded that video that day because I was looking at the cute kids running through the lobby, coming in and out the doors, unaware that in the background would be a sweet sound and a reminder of the faithfulness of God to our church. Sometimes we need to pan back, step back. today, if you're living in grief and hardship, I'm so sorry. We grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. And today, if you're grieving, I'm so sorry. I pray that God the Holy Spirit will comfort you and that you will be able to see from this moment the hand of God with His hand around you. If today you are wrestling with where God is calling you, I hope that you can step back from this moment and see his hand leading you and guiding you. Today, let's just take a moment and peel back the layers spread the pictures out across the floor in front of you. Look at the connecting moments, the through hand of God. Look at the salvation of Jesus Christ running through your life. Look at the presence of God comforting you and guiding you all along the way. The Holy Spirit empowering you in every season that you've walked for. Look and see his comfort when it was a situation that was so hard you can't even imagine how comfort came to be. Look and see his guidance when you didn't even realize he was guiding you and he was guiding you. His character is solid, even in the moments that are hard, and He always reveals who He is. But we have to step back, let the picture, the center focus that is ourselves and our lives grow a little bit fuzzy and begin to focus in on what's around us and look in the background of your life and see the hand of God and the character of God ever present. He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has set eternity into the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In every snapshot and in every hardship and in every high point, you will find that God is good. He is near. He loves you. When we stack the moments, we lose the story. When we pull out only a moment, we lose the story. And today, God wants you to remember Your story. Because after all of that, Acts 14 27 through 28 said, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. (laughs) That verse has so much more weight to it.
1: When you realize
0: what they meant when they said all that God has done. All that God has done in your life. This room is full of people whose stories reveal the hand of God. This room, those watching the hand of God is ever present with you. And today, if you're having a hard time seeing God in the midst of the moment and snapshot that you're in, I want you to know that we're here for you. And we're praying for you. And reach out. Because God's hand is there. I had no points today. It's strange for me. I'm not Baptist, but I sure love good three-pointers but today I just wanted us to weave through a story. Stand with me if you can. They spoke of all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to others. All that God has done for you, It will open the door of faith for others. Oh, we can argue semantics and theology and all of those different things. We can argue and discuss how many years it took for the world to really be created. We can argue the historicity of the Bible. We can get into all of the philosophical debates, but let me tell you what, there is no argument with me saying, I have watched death knock on the door of those that I loved, and yet I was able to still persevere through it because of the hand of God in my life. We cannot argue that. You cannot argue the hand of God In my life, I see it too clearly. I trust it too completely. I know it wholeheartedly. Today, whatever moment you're in, take a step back and look at the hand of God and how he has woven your story together. And how he has so beautifully shown you exactly who he is. Zoom out from yourself and see the story of God. Lord, today I come before you. And I know that here in this room and those who may be watching at whatever point in time, that we are all at different points in our journeys. There are some of us who are in the midst of hardship and some of us who are in the midst of high points. There are some of us who are wandering in a limbo land and not sure where we're at. But God, I ask today that you would help us to not lose sight of you in the midst of our story. Help us not lose sight of who you are, of who you have proved yourself to be. You are God of our salvation, God of our comfort, God of our peace, God our provider, God our everything. You are the center point of our story. And we turn to you today.